So we welcome you today. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, you're looking good. And uh, we're excited you're here with us. We, next week is Easter, and we're excited about Easter. Make sure to invite your friends. And we're going, we'll, we'll have both services next week as well. So we're expecting a full house. They're setting up for that. As they're doing that, let me just reiterate a few things. If you have not gone through the Next Steps class, <clears throat> what's wrong? See, I told you those women walked by that, and look what happened to it. <laughs> Lipstick, makeup, all over that thing. So, uh, if you have not been through the Next Steps class, please do that. We want to plug you in to ministries here in the church, and that's a prerequisite to be able to uh, become a team member. So, we want to encourage you to do that. Also, the trip to Lynch, that's the 14th through the 18th of June. It is, we're advertising as a youth trip, but I am going to have a project going on as well. So, any of you uh, that would be interested in working a project, make sure to sign up for that. That trip is $200, and that's going to be less expensive than the one in October. We've been doing a series for the last month on perspectives. And so, what we've talked about is that perspectives, everyone has their own the same way everyone has their own opinion. And the truth is that everybody's opinion shapes their world and everyone's perspective shapes the world. We talked about what the woman caught in adultery, what her perspective was. We talked about Judas and what his perspective was. We talked about Legion and we've mentioned Lazarus and Paul and their perspectives. I thought it was important to end this series today with what your perspective is. In other words, how do we see God? Because however we see God is going to affect our entire lives. So, before we go to word and prayer, I want you to say this with me. Tell me what you see. Father, we're thankful for your word that it's life, and we just ask you to speak to us and through us today. Help our perspective to line up to yours, to what your word declared over us, to how you've presented yourself to us. And God, you want more than just a house of people. You want relationship with us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how many of you find, how many of you have ever walked by a mirror Oh, go ahead. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I look so much better now. <laughs> I, uh, see, that's perspective, too. If you're looking in a dirty mirror, you can wash your face all you want to. It's not getting any better. You, you, you've got to go to the source. And now, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And so, when you, when you look in a mirror, you know, everybody's hung up on mirrors, aren't they? You know, remember Fonzie? Hey. You know, didn't, didn't even, you know, and then ladies have an addiction to mirrors. It's no, how many of you have a mirror in your purse? It's called a compact. Oh, oh, oh your phone, in the phone. 
How many of you have one on the visor of your car when you flip it down? How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you when you walk by a mirror just have to stop for a moment? <laughs> Making sure everything's in place that we, we've got this thing about mirrors that draw us. Don't feel bad. It happened in a fairy tale a long time ago. Remember? Mirror, mirror on the wall. We, we look at mirrors and we're looking at reflections but how many of you know that when you look in a mirror, it's flipping you? Did you know that? Just to have on a shirt that's got writing on it. And then when you look in a mirror, it's backward. So what that ought to tell you and it ought to give you a clue is that sometimes the way we see ourselves is completely backward from how God sees us. Matter of fact, maybe the best way I can do it is with this illustration. If you would roll that clip for me. Boy flight. Oh, that's out. Yeah. Floyd Lawson. Floyd Lawson Enterprises. Floyd Lawson Enterprises. Oh, yes, that is for me, that matter. Thank you very much. I just put, uh, What's the Enterprises? Oh, it's business. Just, just business, Sandy. <laughs> yeah, it's for tax purposes, what it really is. See? Just business, business, business. It's just... <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, she uh, gonna read it? Huh? Read it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my good glasses is in the back room. Uh, uh, just excuse me a minute now. Got a little something going for you on the side, have you, Floyd? Oh! What's the matter? Oh, no, my dear sons. Oh, no. Oh, what is it, Floyd? You're as white as a sheet. Is something the matter? Well, something the matter? Of course, something. Oh, I'm so sorry, Andy. But something's come up, and I've, I've got to leave town. Yes, I've got to go to, 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 to Nashville. <laughs> well, wait a minute. What's happened? Oh, oh. <laughs> Dear Floyd, just a line to let you know I'm leaving Baltimore on Friday and driving to my Palm Beach home. I'll be passing through Mayberry and look forward at long last to meeting you. Fondly, Madeline Grayson. Who's Madeline Grayson? What's that got to do with Floyd Lawson Enterprises? Well, it's a story that just makes me want to blush. Floyd! All right, here it is. I might as well tell you. I belong to a Lonely Hearts Correspondence Club. Now, for some time now, I've been corresponding with a Mrs. Uh, Madeline Grayson. Well, it's only natural, isn't it? A lonely widow and lonely widower getting together in letters. Sure, Floyd, it sounds fine. Sounds fine? Ha! Floyd! But anyway, this Mrs. Grayson is a wealthy widow. She's got a home in Baltimore and Palm Beach. And now, here it comes. In order to measure up and look good to her, I, I lied to her about myself. I lied about who I am and what I am. How'd you do that? Well, I wrote to her that I was a rich millionaire, a wealthy businessman. But... Oh, and that's how come Floyd Lawson Enterprises. It's <laughs> my, my company. My... Oh. Run by that! Floyd Lawson! Floyd Lawson, you're nothing but a liar and a cheat and a scoundrel! I hate you! Oh, 
could I have done? How could I do it to this lovely, sweet, trusting woman? Is that her? Yep. She's pretty. Oh, she's a doll. <laughs> this is the picture I sent her. Oh, that's me. That's you? Well, where's the gray hair? Oh, touch up, touch up, I touch up. Oh, I'm so ashamed. Oh, now, Floyd. Who would have thought that she'd be coming here? Oh, the deception of it all, the vanity of it all. Lord Lawson, I'm ashamed of you. You're nothing but a lie and deceitful. Floyd. Perspectives. He made it a point to look himself in the mirror and tell him how disappointed he was with himself, called himself all kinds of names. I find that all too often that really happens to us in real life. We start judging ourselves and we paint such a bleak picture of ourselves that even God can't rescue us. And it's because our perception is totally messed up. When you look in that mirror, you need to be able to tell me what you see. And all too often, we're letting the devil influence what our perception is of ourself instead of, you know, it would help us if when we looked in that mirror, we would start declaring what God sees instead of what you feel or how you think and begin to declare what he sees because that changes your perception. In the book of James, chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You have to let the word speak to who you are. Otherwise, you're going to let the world speak to who you are, and then you'll begin to declare things about you that aren't true at all. How many of you have ever discovered something as you were looking in a mirror before that you didn't really realize? You know what I'm talking about? I remember one time I was doing a broadcast over at TCT, and Debbie and I were doing TCT today, and I'd done the broadcast, and so she was staying to do Julian Friends after the broadcast, and we were, you know, saying goodbye to each other. You know, she gave me a little kiss, and I, I left, and I went just down the road there to Kroger. <clears throat> You know, Kroger down over in Marion's got a Starbucks in it. And so I went into the Starbucks. I walked up to the man, and he came out, and he said, can I help you, please? I said, yes, I'd like a tall toffee, not latte, non-fat, two pumps, 180. In case you want to get me one, that's the way it goes. He said, okay, you know, and he, he gets it down, and I'm sitting there waiting, you know, for him. He hands me the cup, and I take a sip of it. And after I sipped it, I looked at the cup, and he had handed me a cup that had lipstick. And I thought, I can't believe this guy just gave me a dirty lid. I started to go up and say something to him, but there was someone else at the counter. And I thought, well, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I, so I walked out to the car, and, I, you know, and as I'm walking out to the car, I'm thinking, man, this guy, you know, I can't, who does that? And I walked over to the car, and as I got to the car, I happened to look in the window. And as I looked in the window, I noticed that I had lipstick <laughs> all over my lips where Debbie had kissed me. 
And I thought, then I was really glad I didn't walk up to him and start trying to tell him what he did. You know, I bet he thought I was real sweet. You know, I mean, I, I, it just, it messed with me because I allowed someone else to determine what I was seeing. And I didn't even know it had rubbed off on me. Oh, stay with me here for a second. See, sometimes you start hanging around folks and it begins to change who you are and you don't even realize it's rubbing off on you. So let me share this with you. You ought to be careful who you hang out with because what you want to rub off on you is something better than you already are. Is there anybody in the house today? That's about tell me what you see. There are times that, you know, how many of you remember teenage years when you saw your first zit? Was it not traumatizing? Where did that come from? I grew a third eye overnight. You, you know, we laugh about it now, but I promise you, you weren't laughing about it then. When all of a sudden that happened and, you know, and you're looking at it and you're going, oh, Goodness, and, you know, and then, you, you know, you got out. How many of you remember something called Stridex? It was a, it, they made a fortune by taking rubbing alcohol, pouring it on a bunch of cotton, and putting it in a jar. And then you'd get that pad out, and you'd scrub your face with it, you know. And then your face is so beet red from scrubbing it, you couldn't tell whether you had a zit or not. Perspectives. How many of you remember when you started to notice you were changing? I don't know how it happened. I just know that hair ought to be on the head and not in my ear. And I'd start looking, man, I promise you, some of these rascals were popping up overnight. I mean, I, 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 you, you look in the mirror and all of a sudden you say, what is that? And, and you go to pull it and find out it's attached. And it's like an inch and a half long. What did happen? You know, it, it's like you see everything that's wrong with you. When's the last time you started trying to say, God, let me see myself in your eyes instead of through my own eyes. Help me see who you made me to be. In the book of Mark, the 8th chapter and 27th verse, it says, Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him and said to him, you are the Christ. See, the big question here is not how others see him, but how do you see him? And I want you to get this, because how you see him is going to determine how you see yourself. If you see him with a hand outstretched with a lightning bolt ready to take you out, 
every time you make a mistake, you're going to find yourself living in fear instead of faith. If you see him as someone that's always making a list of all your wrongs and everything that you, you, you haven't done right, then you're going to live in anxiety instead of living with anticipation. God wants us to be excited about what he wants to do in our lives instead of fearful about what he's going to do to our life. Is anybody in the house? Man, when I was a teenager, look, I, 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 I went out on a trip with some other guys. We were in a van. We went down to the Mississippi River. We were on the backwaters of the Mississippi River, and we were down there, you know, I, honestly, I don't remember what we were doing, and that's probably a good thing. But I, I just, I remember that night being in the back of that van sleeping, and a storm came up. Tornado sirens sounded off, and we're in a van. Man, the lightning is flashing, and you could see the waves on that Mississippi coming up and, and breaking over, and that van is doing this. And all the guys are up front looking out the window going, wow, look at that. What were you doing? I was laying in the back praying, God, get me out of here and I'll serve you the rest of my life. <laughs> True story. See, I knew better. I knew I didn't belong there. But I found myself there. And what God does, and hear this, God always brings conviction, not condemnation. God did not, I, hear what I'm saying, in the back of that van, I did not hear God say, I'm going to kill you now. What I felt was God telling me, you know you don't belong here. And so I left that van and went on my merry way the next day and forgot what I told God. But God didn't forget what I told him. And in his mercy and compassion, he brought it back to me. How many of you have ever had your parents make you a promise when the fair comes to town I'm going to take you. When you turn 16, I'm going to get you a car. If you get all A's, I'll give you $100. How many of you ever found yourself reminding your parents? Just kind of, you know, in a sweet way. Hey, where's my 100 bucks? <laughs> See, you don't forget promises that were made to you by others, why is it we forget the promises that we made to God? And can I tell you, sometimes we're even forgetful of the promises that God has made to us. You say, well, I, I don't remember him making any. I got a book full of them right here. <laughs> 
And anytime something comes up that is, is stressing me or, or trying to get to me, I found my best resource is the book. Everybody say, just get the book out. Just get the book out. Just flip over to a verse and declare it and begin to stand on the promises of God. I heard somebody say one time, we need to learn how to stand on the promises instead of set on the premises. And so we need to stand on his promise. The way that we approach him determines our perception of him. So you can go through life sad. Everybody say sad. sad. And if you're going through life sad, that's bad. Everybody say bad. bad. Matter of fact, if you would just get out a pencil and paper and write S-A-D like that, would you do it? Go ahead. I'm going to give you time to get your papers and pencils out. I know you always bring them in here, right? S-A-D, right underneath each other. S-A-D, then skip a space and put B-A-D. If you end up going through life sad, that's bad. Now, each one of these letters are going to connect with the Word. And what I want to do is I want to show you in Scripture how people dealt with some of these things, what their perspective was, and how it ended up impacting their lives. So for the S in sad, out across it puts sick. How many of you have ever been sick before? Have you, wave your hand if you've ever been sick. You've been sick? We've all been sick at some time or another. Been, been sick in body, been sick of food, been you know, I heard a preacher been preaching, you know, he's an evangelist. He'd been out evangelizing, man, at this place for like three weeks. And every night he was getting chicken. Every night he was getting chicken. Man, he was sick of chicken. He, he finally, he said, Jasmine can relate to that. He, and then all of a sudden he goes, he, they asked him to say the blessing over the meal. And just as he was about to bow his head, he saw them come through the door with a platter of fried chicken. He bowed his head and he said, dear God, he said, we've had it young and we've had it old. We've had it hot and we've had it cold. We've had it tender and we've had it tough. But dear God, don't you think we've had enough? <laughs> Perspective. Perspective. It changes everything. And so we get sick. We can get sick in body. We can get sick of something or we can get sick of someone. And when that happens, it changes our attitudes. Everybody say attitude. Do you know somebody with a bad attitude? Did you look at them in the mirror this morning? <laughs> Sometimes that attitude really grabs hold of us, doesn't it? Now, there's a lady in Scripture that's sick. She has an issue of blood. Let me put it this way because that's, that, that's a biblical way of saying that she's hemorrhaging to death. And she's been hemorrhaging for several years. It's a slow dying process. She can't stop the flow of blood. She's been to doctors for 12 years. She spent all the money she's got, and she's not any better than she was before she started. As a matter of fact, the Scripture said she got worse. And life for her seems to be coming to an end until she got her eyes on him. You see, sometimes we're so focused on what we're going through that we forget about the one who can see us through. Sometimes we are so, we, we have, we have, 
caused that giant to become so big to us that we don't see anything else. But when she got a glimpse of him, something happened in her spirit. Something happened in her heart. And she said in herself, nobody said it to her. She said it. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole. What's wrong with me is not as big as he is. He's more powerful than what I'm facing. He's bigger than my giant, and I am not going to stay sick the rest of my life. Her sadness was beginning to leave. The letter A there stands for angry. Everybody say angry. Anybody ever been angry before? You know, it all depends on what you're angry about. You know, I mean, if somebody takes a nail and scratches your car, you've got a right to be angry. You do not have a right to go shoot them. You've got a right to be angry. So, but sometimes you're angry over the wrong stuff. I went to visit a guy that was in prison one time. And... Uh, when I went in, he was just beside himself. He didn't know I'd showed up, and man, he was letting the police officers have it. He was cussing a blue streak. When I turned around the corner, his mouth kind of dropped open, and I looked at him. I said, hey, how you doing? And he said, this probably isn't a good time for you to be here. I said, you think? <laughs> and he started in, and he, he started talking about everything that had happened to him. And he said, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him when I get out. I, I'm going I'm to do this and I'm going to do that. And I looked at him, I said, yeah, it looks to me like you really got things in control, don't you? You got it all figured out. I said, look at where you're at. You're angry about the wrong thing. You are the one that got yourself there. Don't start pointing at everybody else's life. Take a look at your own life and say, God, what can I do to make sure I don't wind up in this mess again? Angry over the wrong thing. Pharisees. Everybody say Pharisees. You know, Pharisees are kind of those folks that feel like they're better than you are. Praise the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? And when Jesus showed up in the synagogue, there's a guy there whose hand is withered. And they all stand there with bated breath, waiting to see if he'll heal this man so they can rejoice. No. They're waiting to see if he heals the man so they can accuse him for healing on the Sabbath day. They're angry and they're angry about the wrong stuff. They have no compassion. How many of you know that compassion is an important part of our lives? If we don't have compassion, then it's going to be hard for us to experience compassion. The Bible said it this way, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain what? mercy. And so walking through life with no compassion, with no mercy, proves for a very disgruntled life and an angry life. They should have rejoiced. Hey, you know what the good news is? Jesus didn't care if they got mad. 
He's sitting there, you know, they're going to get mad if I heal this guy. So what? <laughs> Why is it that we always stop because we're fearful of what our friends are going to think or what somebody's going to say if we give our heart to God? I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to love him. I'm going to tell about him. I'm going to share him everywhere I go. And here's the real truth is the people that are judging you need a good dose of what you got. <laughs> And when they get it, it will change them. I don't want anger to dominate my life. The D in sad stands for disappointed. Everybody say disappointed. Say Martha. Martha was disappointed with Jesus. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand on this, but I want to ask the question. Have you ever found yourself disappointed with God? Be very transparent with yourself. Disappointed that he didn't do something the way you thought he ought to have done it. You had it all figured out. And it ended with a happy ending if he'd just done it your way. Here's the problem is we're not God. And so we can only see what's in front of us and we can't see beyond that. But God sees beyond the here and now into your future. And he said, everything works together for good. He didn't say that everything that happens is good. He said, everything works together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. Lazarus dying wasn't good. But Jesus knew he would. And he was going to work it for good. Martha's disappointed because he didn't come. How many times have you been disappointed because somebody didn't show up? Felt abandoned, felt alone, felt left out. They didn't come. Forgot a birthday, forgot an anniversary, forgot you. Didn't come. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. And so when she looked at him, she was struggling with what she saw because it was her perspective it was how she saw him in that moment. He said, Martha, your brother's going to live again. She said, I know, in the resurrection. Clean that mirror one more time because I am the resurrection and life. And though he were dead, those that believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall I live, and whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You say, how is that possible? Let me share with you how it's possible, and you're going to experience one day unless he comes before that. One day, unless he comes before this, one day I'm going to close my eyes here, and I'm going to open them in the same instant there. I will never die. Oh, you may bury this flesh, but the soul that's inside of me that's making this flesh move and have been is not going to die. You're not going to bury it in a moment, in an instant. It's going to be in the presence of God, and I am going to live and reign with him forever. It changed her perspective. She was no longer disappointed. Now let's get into the bad Everybody said bad. You ever been bad before? <laughs> the being bad stands for broken. You ever been broken? 
You ever felt a broken heart, broken spirit? Jesus showed up at a place where there was someone broken, and he waited to engage her until he was alone because he knew the disciples wouldn't understand. And so he went to that broken woman and he asked her for something to drink. She looked at him and said, man, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. What are you doing saying that to me? We, everybody say prejudice. How many of you know that there is prejudice? How many of you understand? Now, now let me run up here, Lisa. How, here's the thing, and this troubles me because it's like we don't get our mind wrapped around this, and because we don't have our mind wrapped around it, we get sucked into something. People say racism. Do you understand there's only one race? What race is that? Human. Human race. You may be a little darker than I am, a but little. you... you, you <laughs> Give me time. I'm working on it. But here's, here's, here's the truth. This is the truth. Now, people, look, the only reason that Lisa's a little darker than I am is because she has a higher level of melanin in her body than I do. Mm-hmm. It's not because she's different from me. She's my sister. Amen. You keep me in the sun long enough, and I'm going to get some melanin on my own. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm telling you, I am so up to here with people trying to divide us and separate us and, 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 and to tear us apart. Do you understand? It doesn't, the color of our skin does not identify us. It's our Father, and we got one Father. His name is Jesus. Don't allow brokenness to grab hold of your life and try and drag you down. That woman, that woman said to him, she, she starts dealing with, well, you, you know, you're prejudiced. And he looked at her, and he said, honey, if you, well, he didn't say honey, But he said, he looked at her and said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me to give you something to drink. Because if you drank from this well, you're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink from the well that I give, the water that I offer, you'll never thirst again. And that broken heart began to find a ray of hope. And she said, give me that water so I don't have to come back to this place again. Why? Because that place had broken her. Every time she went to that well, all the other women in town looked at her and said, what number is she on now? Is this five or six husbands? I've lost count. That woman can't hold a man. All that stuff going, being said to her and about her. And so for the first time, in her life, there's, a, there's someone that's giving her hope that you don't have to stay in the same place you're at. There is a new place that's got your name on it. You don't have to remain broken. I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> you know, I think we ought to, I've been told we should worship in this mountain, and Jews say we ought to worship in Jerusalem, and he cuts to the chase. He said, look, the true worshiper is going to worship in spirit and in truth. This isn't about a geographical location. This is about a condition of the heart. I know when the Messiah comes, he's going to show us all things. 
he had not revealed himself to his disciples yet. He had not declared himself to anyone yet. But when this broken lady says, I know one day there's a man coming and he's going to reveal this to us. And he looked at her and said, I am that man. I am the Messiah. And her heart leaped within her. And she left her brokenness behind at the well as she went to run into town and say, come and meet a man that told me everything I ever did. How many of you would be running into town to share that somebody told you all about your past? <laughs> Well, what kind of things did he tell you? It's none of your business. <laughs> She's excited because he didn't just tell her about her past. He gave her hope for her future. People miss out on that because this is what she said to him. She said, go get your husband. She said, well, I, I have none. He said, I, I know you, you, you're speaking the truth. You've had five and the guy you're living with isn't you're not married to. What's he saying to her? He's not trying to embarrass her. He's trying to let her know that, look, today is the first day of the rest of your life. I'm washing away your past, and I'm going to give you a brand new today. <laughs> Somebody say it with me. What do you see? Because what we see determines how we feel. The A in bad is anguish. Have you ever been there? Anguish. Thief on a cross. Dying. He has to feel anguish for the life that he's wasted. Anguish that he's disappointed his mother. Anguish that he's not going to have another opportunity. But when he looks over at the man hanging next to him, instead of experiencing anguish, all of a sudden he begins to feel hope. Just a sliver of hope. The other thief is yelling and cussing and screaming, and he said, what's wrong with you? He said, we're dying for what we deserve, but that man's done nothing wrong. And then he does it. He, he, he gets all the courage he can muster, and he looks over at him and says, remember me. What right does he have to say, remember me? What right do any of us have? It's not about our rights. It's about his mercy and grace. And all of a sudden, he said, remember me. And with what he, look, nobody wants to be forgotten. And he knows he's about to leave this world and never be thought of again. But because of one line that Jesus says, because of what Jesus says to him, he'll never be forgotten. And he has been remembered through the ages because Jesus looked at him and said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Do you know what that meant for us? It meant that no matter where I've been, no matter what I've been going through, there's a God that has rescued me. There's a God that is calling me. There's a God that's saying, you'll never be forgotten. You're going to be with me. It's time for us to say, here I am, God. What do you see? The D in bad is despondent. You remember the man that had the boy that was possessed with the devil? He took him to his disciples, and his disciples came up empty-handed. 
They couldn't do anything. Jesus walked up and he sees the confusion that's going on. He said, what's happening? And he said, I brought my son to your disciples. He's got a, a spirit that tears him and rips him and throws him in the fire. And, and they, they couldn't do anything. And if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He's despondent. And that man looked, or Jesus looks at that man and he says, all things are possible to those who believe. And this man will make a statement that is the most transparent statement in all Scripture. When he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He's not trying to act like a spiritual giant. He's allowing his hurt to communicate along with his faith. What's he doing? He's saying, when I look at you, I believe. But when I look at my boy and all the years and all the torment that we've been through and all the memories and all the heartache, it's hard for me to believe. It's trying to rip it away from me. Help my unbelief. And in that moment, Jesus spoke to that man's son and all his unbelief faded away as God gave him what he'd been hoping for, what he'd been longing for, what he'd been asking for. And hear me today, if he'll do it for them, he'll do it for us. It's time for us to just believe when you get the right perspective of Jesus it won't be you won't be sad and you're not going to feel bad but when you get the right perspective of Jesus it's going to be glorious everybody say glorious 2 Corinthians 3 17 and 18 now the Lord is the spirit and when the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty emancipation from bondage true freedom And we all, with unveiled face, continually seen as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What's he saying? He's saying when we see him more and more in our lives, we begin to reflect him more and more. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying... When I look in the mirror, I see I'm being changed. How many of you have felt like you've been changed? Wave your hand if you feel like you've been changed. Here's the unique thing about change. Change continues. Paul said, I'm being changed from glory to glory. I, I looked in that mirror last year and I, I saw something different. I look this year and I see something has changed. You know, over the years as I've begun to mature and I've looked in this mirror, something's happened. Because it would be hard for you to understand because you didn't know my father. But with every passing year, I'm looking more and more like my father. I've even gone to the mirror at times and covered up part of my face because there's part of me that's almost identical to him. Other parts keep changing. We were at a family gathering here a few years ago and One of my sisters said to either Debbie or to one of my children, 
reckon looks more and more like our dad. I don't take that as an insult. I take it as a compliment. Why? Because I love my father. Like you're me. The more we grow in him, the more we begin to look like him. There were times that I looked in that mirror and I couldn't see any resemblance. But as time went on and my relationship developed, I started seeing more and more of him show up in my life. Where there was anger, now there was love. Where there had been desperation, there was hope. Where there had been fear, now there was faith. And we're being transformed into his image. What do you see? when you look in that mirror? Do you see the old you? Are you wrestling with the same issues? Are you still angry? Or have you allowed him to penetrate your heart? Have you seen Jesus in a way that you've never seen Jesus before? Because remember, your perspective of him it's going to determine your perspective of who you are. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. We're going to pray for people in just a moment. But before we do, I want to ask you, please tell me what you see. I get excited when I start to see him. But I get even more excited when other people start to see him in me. This past year has been different to say the least. Filled with challenges, disappointments, heartache. But can I tell you that in the midst of all that, as I've viewed this congregation, I've seen something amazing begin to happen. I talked to Debbie about it just this past week. I said, I'm seeing God transforming lives. I'm seeing the glory of God show up in people's lives, changing them in a way that is exciting and incredible to me. Say, so where do you see that happening? I see it happening in you. I see it happening when I look across this congregation. There are those of you that I can point out and say, I've seen it happen, but I don't need to point you out because you felt it happen. <laughs> can I get a witness in this house today? Has anybody felt like this year God apprehended them? That they're not the same as they were. That they know they've been bought with a price. That they're no longer angry or mad or sad. And things aren't bad anymore. Because the glory of God is showing up in you. 
Let him have his complete work. Sometimes when Debbie's cooking pumpkin pie, I get a little anxious. And I've said on more than one occasion, baby, that pie smells like it's burning to me. It's not done yet. Are you sure? Well, go check it. I don't know how to check it. Man, I just go in there and take a bite of it. Said when you can put the fork in and the residue doesn't come out, it's done. How do you know you're getting closer to God when you find yourself in the midst of the world and the residue isn't on you anymore? (laughs) He's changing us, and I'm excited about it. I got to tell you this, the best is still yet to come. Because the more glory, if we're being changed from glory to glory, this is what happens. Then it starts rubbing off on you, onto others. Just touch the person you're next to and rub just a little bit on them. Say, you feel that? (laughs) You feel that? I'm talking about a tangible presence of God that is showing up not just in our lives, but now it's beginning to emanate out of our lives into the lives of others. Would you stretch your hands to heaven as we pray together right now? Father, I thank you for what you're doing. God, it's been an incredible journey, and you've been so faithful through it all. There were times that we weren't sure of the next step, but you always made sure that the next step was planted firmly on a sure foundation. God, we're thankful for the lives that we've experienced, that we've seen with our own eyes being transformed. We pray, God, that that glory continue to emanate through them, and God, that you use them to touch others. We pray for those, Father, that still feel some of the residue God, that you will break it off completely, that there'll be no more sadness or there'll be no more bad feelings, God, but they'll be able to experience your glory and release their life into your hand and just trust you to get them where you promised. I thank you, God, that you're doing it now, that our perspective of you is changing and we don't see you as unloving and unkind we don't see you as judgmental but we see you as you are the prince of peace the lion of the tribe of judah the bright and morning star shine on us today fill us with your glory and continue to change us we ask in jesus name amen can you give him a hand clap of praise in this building today Very quickly, if, if you're in this building and you need special prayer, I want Deborah to come up. We're going to pray for her grandson. They think that he may have MS. Guys, if you would gather around. How many of you know that he's a healing God? Look, he is a healing. Don't, don't take a report 
and then put all your confidence in that report. Hear what the report says, but then find out what the Lord says about it. Because I choose to believe the report of the Lord. Everybody say, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. His report says I'm healed. But you're still dealing with this. His report says I'm healed. Healing is a process. So I'm going to embrace his report over me. I'm going to declare what he said about me. I'm going to continue to do what I know I need to do, but I'm going to declare what God has spoken over me. Church, would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? Your grandson's name is Kelton. Kelton. Would you stretch your hands this way? Father, we call Kelton's name. Father, we pray, God, Lord, that you apprehend, God, that that's trying to afflict him, Father. Whatever it is, you said that your name has been exalted above every name. So we declare your name over this MS. God, we thank you, Lord, for healing him. God, for restoring him. God, bring it to pass now in Jesus' name. We stand on your word. Our perspective is you're bigger than what he's facing. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise in this right now. Very quickly, anybody else needs prayer, come on up. Come on up. Mike, come up here. We want to pray for you. How many of you know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we're able to ask or think? So this is what I'm going to ask you to do today. To believe for the exceedingly and abundantly. Amen. As you stretch your hands to heaven. Father, we thank you, God, that you're the healer of our body. God, we pray, Father, that your healing hand touch your eyes. God, I pray, Father, for restored sight and vision. God, I ask in Jesus' name, God, that you make her whole, complete. In Jesus' name. Can you love him with me? Stretch your hands Father, we, God, believe for an extraordinary recovery from mine. God, we declare it over him now. God, that he, doctors will be amazed at how quickly he recovers. God, I
invite your hands to heaven with me right now. You know, when the Lord touches you, something's got to happen. You're talking about the individual that said, let there be light, and two trillion galaxies exploded into a beautiful cascade of light. God that spoke this world into existence. When he touches you, something is going to happen. You may shake, you may fall, you may quiver, you may shout, but something will happen. For God to touch you and nothing happen is an impossibility. If he touches you, you're going to feel it. Amen. Amen. Just stretch your hands to heaven with me one more time. Father, I'm asking you to touch each one in here. Father, touch them in a very personal way, in a way that causes them to recognize and understand that you are with them and have not forgotten them. A nudge in their heart, an excitement in their soul, a song in their spirit, a tug on their hand, pulling them in your direction. Apprehend us by your grace, keep us by your power, and cause us to always see through your eyes. In Jesus' name. Can you give my hand a clap of praise in here? We love you. The Lord bless and keep you. Make his face smile upon you. Remember you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And you go forward in the power of God's spirit. We love you all. God bless you.